of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Once again, to another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. As always, I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and you've reached the podcast that talks comic books and talks animation. Welcome to episode 96. It's a very special episode as we're counting down to our two-year anniversary episode before we get into that, I'm going to explain the rules. Rule number one, comic books, animation, that's what we talk about. I don't need to say anything else. Rule number two, huge fan of the old team-up comic books. DC Comics presents Marvel Team-Up, Marvel 2-in-1, Brave and the Bold. So this is a team-up podcast. Every week, me and a special guest talking comic books, talking animation. Rule number three, and most important, we got to have fun. Welcome to episode, like I said, 96. We are counting down to the two-year anniversary episode, and to do that, we are bringing back guests from my most popular episodes are coming back. This week, I'm going to bring out my guest. He is the guest from the third most popular episode in the history of Matt Spector through the multiverse. Welcome back to the show, Green Lantern expert, internet troll, Dave Walker. Hey, how's everybody doing, baby? Back in the house. Number three. Welcome back. Number three all time. Actually, you've dropped down a spot. And my one year anniversary, you were the second most popular guest. You've actually lost some ground between then and now. I sense a screw job here. Somebody, I was number two and somebody dropped me down to number three. You better count those votes. A stuffed ballot box, perhaps? Yeah, I, I, I smell some dirty shenanigans. Well, um, even though you're the Green Lantern expert, your most popular episode, which is the most third most popular episode in the history of my show, believe it or not, we talked Flash Gordon. That's well, you know, bringing out the Legion of Flash Gordon fans, baby. Who would have thought something that hasn't really been in pop culture for I don't know how long at this point, but that is the third most popular episode in the history of my show. Not Spider Man, not the X Men, not Batman, Flash Gordon. Yeah, it just goes to show there's more gas in the tank for the old boy. So when I bring back my most popular guests, I turn it over to them. I let them pick what we're going to talk about. So, Dave, I'm handing the mic over to you. What did you decide to talk about and give us a little backstory of why you decided to pick this topic? Well, you said one of our rules here is that we have to have fun. And with this, I think we should have more fun, as in more fun comics. <laughs> because one of my all-time favorites in my upper pantheon of top five comic book heroes is the subject of our next episode that we're doing right here. And that is DC's The Spectre. The Spectre. We're going back. Someone from all the way from the golden age. Anybody uh, not familiar? Not. If you're not, shame on you. Not to be confused with that terrible James Bond movie, but the DC comic book character. <laughs> that was a pretty good movie. I like that Bond movie. The Spectre. All right. Now, The Spectre, um, my first encounter with The Spectre that I can remember was, uh, do you remember they used to have DC printed those little digest comics i think they were adventure the blue like blue ribbon digest yeah they looked like almost pocket sized and they yeah. reprinted and it was 
what's the villain? Uh, Wo- Wotan? What? Wotan. Wotan. And I remember because he smashed the globe over the Spectre's head. Yeah, that, yeah. I don't know if that was a reprint. Wo- or... Wotan, Wotan was one of those cosmic villains you could use for Dr. Fate or the Spectre. You know, he was the one, you know, the guy that you could pit against either one of them. But that was the first time. And it stuck in my head the whole even him smashing the globe over the Spectre's head. That's the first time I ever encountered the Spectre. Uh, they love cosmic imagery with the Spectre. What was your first encounter with the Spectre? Actually, it was the Crisis, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, when I was reading it as a kid, he I was, was like, a big what? player in that. He was a big player. He's, and then I also got introduced to the Spectre's use as a Deus Ex Machina. You know, bring him in as a plot <laughs> device. As I got into the Spectre, I found out he was a lot more than that, or could be a lot more. Spectre is a. Uh, he falls in the category of so many DC concepts and characters of been around forever, popular enough to stay. Constantly getting reboots and recharges, like, you know, the Doom Patrol, or the Atom, or all these characters that, not like a Batman or Superman that have been consistent, but they know there's something there. They don't give up on him. They keep trying. He has minor success for a while, and then it kind of dies down, and then he, has, he comes and goes, shall we say. Yeah, because of the very nature of the creation of him and how he's used, he's, he's often best served as a guest star. You know, he can be in DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Bold, a team up. And you can do a story where he shows up in, in a crisis level event and he can play a plot device or the deus ex machina. Very few writers have been able to do something with him on their own. And th- there have been several attempts, which I'm sure we're going to get into as I get to run my gums a little bit more. Would you say if he wasn't an original JSA member that you would have the fondness for him you do? Or is it? I, I would. Actually, I don't think he worked as a J- I JSA is my all-time favorite team. You know, I, I got a lot of my exposure because of the JSA stories and all-star comics, but I don't think that's where he works. He's kind of like the Hulk, like the Hulk ne- was an original Avenger, but he never really worked as an Avenger. He was always kind of outside the Spectre and Dr. Fate never really worked as JSA members are way too powerful. So they were dropped from the book pretty early on. I like him on his own more. A brief History of the Spectre, we can't obviously... Brief. Well, it'd be a three-hour podcast. You didn't promise me brief. (laughs) If we went over everything, but... I I, I smell a shenanigans again. We go back to 1940, More Fun Comics, number 52, the first appearance of the Spectre, created by Bernard Bailey and of Superman fame, Jerry Siegel. Yes, folks, he just didn't create Superman, he created other characters. He also created the Spectre. Bernard Bailey was brought in as like the artist to work on it. Um, I don't think he came up with a design, but I might be wrong on that. But it's really Siegel's baby. Yeah, doing my research, a lot of the things said that Bernard Bailey only gets credit because he was the first artist, but almost the design, the conception, almost all of it was Jerry. There's no way to prove that, obviously. But, I mean, he was the original artist. He did the original first artwork. So I'm sure Jerry, if he was still alive, would not have an issue Sharing the credit with Bernard yeah, un- Unlike some creators. Yeah. <laughs> he was, uh, he didn't have his own comic. He was in More Fun for a while, and he, he was, was in, in the more, JSA. He, he officially debuted in More Fun Comics number 52, but the first real technical appearances, More Fun Comics number 51, he shows up on the last page where they say, next issue, the <laughs> debut of the Spectre, and there's a one-panel image of the Spectre there. So technically, you got one panel, and then his actual debut is number 52. And it's a weird concept in a way where it's... Uh, a New York cop who gets uh, killed by the mob and he gets denied access to the afterlife. They don't specifically say heaven or God, but it's kind of implied. Implied it's the big guy. And that uh, becomes the spirit of vengeance, which was, in a way, you got to give him 
that's kind of a risky thing for 1940, like in a kid's comic, you know, to, to have the concept of any kind of afterlife. Yeah. And just the fact that had mob violence. They, they, on the night of his engagement, Jim Corgan's getting engaged. He's in a tux. He's all, you know, and, uh, the mob gets him, they kill him. They stuff him into a barrel of cement and toss him in the river. And they think they're done with Jim Corgan, but they soon find out they're not done with him. So even though I've read a lot of different stories, Spectre, I've never read any of the Golden Age Spectre. How do you think it, uh, looking back, uh, how does it stand the test of time? Uh, Golden Age comics are an acquired taste and I have acquired them. I do enjoy them for what they are. I like looking at them as like a historical piece and like what comics were at that time. They were still developing, you know, what the medium could be. I enjoy those more fun comics. I haven't read every single one because they've only reproduced half of them. And he was in what 50 issues from more fun 52 to 101 DC, uh, in the nineties did an archive collecting up the first half of the issues and they didn't do the second volume. So the issues with like Percival pop, the super cop, I've, I've only read <laughs> a handful of them. I've never read all 50 issues. So, um, Spectre fell victim to the late forties dip in the superhero genre. Like oh, he so didn't many- even make it that far. <laughs> he, he made it to 1945. He was gone. Like after the merger happened with, um, all American comics and national periodicals, some of the characters from all American got dropped. Like Dr. Fate went away. Our man went away pretty quickly. Spectre went away by 1945. They were gone and the JSA continued for another six years. And then, then they were all gone pretty much. So yeah, there's like almost a near 20 year period with the Spectre had pretty much disappeared from comic books you probably no one really thought he'd come back until the early 60s where they started doing the jsa jla crossovers which i believe was gardner fox that i could be wrong but brought him back with the jsa yeah gardner fox and well they were already doing the revivals of all these characters they did the flash again with barry allen then they did green lantern then they did hawkman then they did a new adam and then they started trying to bring back other old characters our man and uh, Dr. Fate and the Spectre were the next three on the list that they wanted to, that they really wanted to use in the wake of the JSA's return. Then uh, we go to 1967, where the Spectre gets a second run. His first comic <laughs> named after him, the Spectre. Oh, what a doozy. Um, which only ran for uh, 10 issues. Cited the main problem was that they had no consistent creative team is what I've read. Like, yeah, they, there's like four or five writers in that 10 issues. Neil Adams comes on. Yeah, as it's it's one of Neil Adams earliest, uh, work in DC comics. Gorgeous work. He even wrote some of the issues. Then he, oh, 10 issues. It's a mess. It's, it's really not very good. They didn't know what they were doing. They just, the showcase tryout worked enough that you know, with, uh, the specter in it in 66 that they decided a follow-up series in 67 was due and it did not pan out. Now, is that where that original specter story that I read the reprints of appeared? Yeah. In? With no. the planet smashing. Yeah. That's where, yeah, that's where, yeah. The cosmic view of the specter with throwing planets at each other came from right there. So there we had attempt number two to make specter his, uh, his own thing. Yep, that was our <laughs> second incarnation. You had more fun comics was the first incarnation and he appeared in all-star comics one through 23 i think and then he was gone so very limited golden age attempt number two is obviously the silver age uh series but you can't necessarily blame it on the character they any character you have inconsistent creative team no real direction you're, you're gonna have a hard time being successful yeah. the third take the third incarnation of the specter that you're about to talk about that's where i think they really started to find their groove with the specter 
I agree. Yep. You're resting right in my notes because that's where we're going next. Early 70s adventure comics run. Michael Flesher in The Legend. Is it Jim Aparo? Aparo? How do you? I never Aparo. Jim Aparo. <laughs> Jim Michael Aparo. Flesher. Now, this is a, for a long time, was the most well known version of the Spectre. Which was, it's great if you if you can find the reprints. I definitely read them. It's a great run. It's been reprinted like four times, so it's out there if you if you look for it. Very controversial at the time because they pretty much made the Spectre. It was like an old EC comic, basically, where every shoe someone would commit a crime, and the Spectre would ironically cause punishment and kill them. Basically, like it was great. Yeah, you know, like he would turn someone into clay and then put them in a flume and they would burn alive, or he would in the cut se- them in half with a giant pair of scissors. In the seventies, you had that era of of like revenge was a big thing. There was a lot of crime in, in inner cities, and you started to see like vigilante movies, Death Wish, and you know a lot of these revenge type movies. And Spectre was a perfect fit for that. And they tried it with Adventure Comics, ran ten issues. What? 431 to 440. Yeah, I think that's what Yeah, it's ten, 10 issues there. They had some other issues that were in the can ready to go, or the scripts were that, you know, that they didn't put out at the time. But that incarnation, I think, was great. Jim Aparo's art is gorgeous, still holds up now. Damn right. I, I love Jim Aparo. I love it. The only complaint I could see, which it's a bit formulaic, formulaic. every issue is pretty much the same. <laughs> Taking the words right yeah. out of your mouth. Someone commits a crime, Vector comes and ironically punishes and kills them in some like pretty vicious way, if you Prince look at repeat. Even with a rubber ducky at one point. Yeah, but really good stuff, very controversial. Another controversy, though, was continuity. Editor Joe Orlando claims this is the Spectre of Earth-1. Other people claim Jim Corrigan, Spectre of Earth-2, came to Earth-1 and possessed the Jim Corrigan of Earth-1. And then other people just say it's Earth 2 Spectre, but it's never really been settled which one that it is. It's never settled because they clearly made a mistake and they didn't know what they were doing. And then they tried to tried to come up with an excuse later on. Basically, they wanted to use the Spectre and put no thought into that he's supposed to be an Earth 2 character. What are you going to do? So this kind of puts Spectre on the map where even though he didn't have his own run, a lot of crossovers, he would make a lot of guest appearances. He was a good character, a good hand to use and a lot of. Big cosmic stories and whatnot. Yeah. When I first started, after the crisis happened, I was starting to get into the Spectre and look him up. That's when that Wrath of the Spectre miniseries came out. Yeah, it was like a reprint, It was right? a reprint, the Baxter reprint series. They, they did like Dead Man and Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and yeah, I think Shadow of the Batman. Shadow of the Batman. Yeah. Which was terrific. And then the Wrath of the Spectre. And the Wrath of the Spectre is the one where they went back and they took the extra three scripts that were hanging around from the 70s, because that was what, like 1974. And Jim Aparo was still putting out terrific work. He comes back and he pencils and they ink those stories and then they republish all of them in that four-part miniseries. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, so I mean, he showed up in Crisis, All-Star Squadron, some Justice League stories. So he was he was on the conscience of the DC Comics universe. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I wasn't going to mention it because it never gets talked about, but I, I want to give a little credit. Uh, the 80s Spectre series. Ran about 31 issues. Doug uh, Moink. Doug Moink wrote it, yeah. You, you, that was the one that was um, supposed to be um, Steve Gerber. Oh, really? Steve Gerber was booked to be the writer of the Spectre Volume 2, and uh, it was supposed to have come out like, I don't know, like a year earlier, and uh, he got fired because he was um, late with the, turning in his scripts. Oh, Steve Gerber. And who? Oh, Steve Gerber. And then DC found out where he was. They found out the reason why he was turning in the script late. He was on the set of Howard the Duck and he wanted to be there for the last day of filming for Howard the Duck. 
And so when it, I forget what editor it was, maybe it was Joe Orlando, I can't remember, but whatever editor it was, Dickie or Dano, they, they fired him. They were like, oh no, we're done with this guy. That's how Doug Moen got hired. Cause they were like, well, we weren't, weren't done with the idea. You know, they'd still were on the high from crisis and the specter's appearance. So then they hired Doug Moink and had put I out mean, to be fair, Steve Gerber's had a long history of being late with whatnot. Him and Jim Shooter apparently had a big blow up cause uh, Jim Shooter put fill in people on Omega the unknown because Gerber was late with scripts and that pissed him off. But that's neither here nor here there. <laughs> sounds sounds typical. Uh, sounds believable. Never read that. Doug Monick, I love his writings. How was that series? It's not bad. So they changed the format again. At that point, the Spectre. Sometimes he Jim Corrigan was the Spectre. He was just a ghost. Then they had a period of time where the um, Jim Corrigan gets returned to life. He joins the army. He's alive again. And then, which I conveniently forgot later on. <laughs> um, so the specter would jump in and out of his body. Uh, Jim Corrigan leaves the book and the specter is just a ghost who narrates and overlooks Percival Pop, the super cop. Then in the sixties, the specter just kind of shows up as like a framing sequence for a few issues. In the Doug Moink series, the specter would jump in and out of Corrigan's body and Corrigan becomes a private detective. And then they had Madame Xanadu as a character and it becomes this like hard boiled detective agency type book. And they go on, you know, they get little missions that they go on was the pitch for that. It didn't leave a huge impact, not super successful, but 31 issues is, especially in today's comic market, 31 is pretty respectable. I think three times as long as half the issues last nowadays. So. And then obviously we're going to get into the most important and best piece of work ever associated with the Spectre. Spectre Volume 3. Spectre Volume 3, Don Ostrider, Tom Mandrake, 1992, I believe, was issue one. That sounds right. In my opinion, not only the best Spectre run, one of the best 90s comics, period. Period. Such a great run. Such, I, I can't even, if you haven't read it. You should go out and it, buy it. It was at that point. It's where, such a good run. It was at that point where, like, it seemed like most of the best stuff was coming from Vertigo, but there were a few titles that were almost like Vertigo light, like Starman, James Robinson, Starman, yeah. and and the Spectre. The Spectre almost could have been a Vertigo title, but they kept him in the mainline universe. And it's fan, it's the final word in the Spectre, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's respectful, great ideas. They add to the mythos, but don't like you know they, they don't butcher them. They don't butcher it. They ask hard questions. Yeah, they really treat Jim Corrigan like a man at a time, like a guy who died in, in 1940 and who's alive in the 90s. Yeah, they even like find his body at some point and they're like, who is this body in this cement barrel? And they do a great issue with the JSA of flashbacks of encounters with him and how he let a lot of them uneasy because he was dead and he didn't. And, un- and uh, Tom Mandrake is a perfect match for this one. They'd worked, they also did Martian Manhunter together and they'd worked on Firestorm together. So Ostrander and Mandrake had like a good working relationship, apparently. Uh, First appearance of Mr. Terrific. Mr. Terrific, Michael Holt. And that, Michael Holt, Mr. Terrific, that's how you do a legacy character. Exactly. That's That's exactly how you do a legacy character. A character nobody's used in decades, who's long dead, who's never had mainline success, and you totally revamp the idea. That's how you do it. And then when they wrapped up the story, in my opinion, it's the greatest farewell ever done for DC Comics to a character. Like, I stand by the death of Captain Marvel as the greatest death in comic book history, the Marvel Captain Marvel. Marvel, the real real Marvel (laughs) Captain Marvel, not the real Captain Marvel. the Spectres and the way they ended it, letting Jim Corrigan go to rest is 
the second best and it's the greatest oh. thing DC has ever done when it comes it, to a, a character's last stand. Amy Biederman is waiting for him and it's uh, it's just beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful comp, beautifully perfect. drawn, well done. That series had a great beginning, middle and end. Like I think John Ostrander always liked having like an end game in mind with his books. He he did it with Firestorm. And that was a did, real nineties thing, if you remember. Like yeah, like this like, series is gonna run sixty issues. Yeah, like and Neil Gaiman, Sandman, like uh, Garth Ennis is Hitman, and like Preacher, they, Preacher. Like they had like they wanted to end it when they left. They wanted to tell their story and then and wrap it up. That's that's a lost art. Leaving when leave the audience wanting more. Leaving at the top of your game, and the Spectre did that. Like nobody other than Ostrander, I think really got the specter, like really nailed it. That guy nailed it. And it's like, it's a crime that that book has not been fully reprinted. DC's tried to reprint it twice. Now they put out a trade of the first six or so issues. Then it sat around for years, went out of print. Then they tried again years later, put out like the first 12 issues. Then they put out a second volume. So it's got like the first 20, 22 issues or whatever of the series is collected in trade, but they've never done an omnibus of it. And it really just needs a two-volume omnibus. Uh, it needs to get out in the hands of current readers for people to discover. When I get in these arguments on social media of people shitting on the 90s or comic books, I think people are way off base because everyone remembers... How bad things were. The bad stuff, the ridiculous over-the-top... The pouches and buckles. Yeah, but the 90s had a lot of great stuff. Like, Spectre yeah. is one of my main examples. Power Shazam. I think the Nomad series from Marvel was really good. Some of the uh, Spider-Man books were really good. Yep. Hitman, Preacher, Vertigo had some good stuff. Power Shazam, that I mentioned that already? That was, that was a great 90s. Which I had a letter printed in the back of. <laughs> um, so I, I think the 90s get, some of the rap is deserved. The Flash the, came into his own. The Flash, Mark yeah, Wade. Mark Wade came on, maybe born, the best, to run, uh, born to Run, yeah. Return of Barry Allen. Uh, oh, they they brought amazing. the JLA back to... Uh, Prominence. Uh, prominence with the, the big seven. I mean, it was yeah. towards the end of the 90s, but it was still the 90s. Midsummer's Nightmare is still my favorite Justice League story of yeah. all time. So yeah. the 90s has a bad rap, justifiably, for some things. Yeah, but, yeah there's a lot of bad stuff in the there's 90s. There's a lot of great stuff in the 90s as well. Yeah, I, I fully agreed. Now we have to, unfortunately, discuss the, the, the lowest. Four. This, to me, is not only the lowest point in Spectre history. I rank this as possibly the worst creative idea in the history of comic books. So awful. They made Hal Jordan the Spectre. Oh. Not only is that bad enough, but they made him the Spectre with the Green Lantern symbol and the domino mask. The, the whole night, the whole Green Lantern costume with a color scheme changed with a cape over him. Just dog shit. This is oh. one of the worst, maybe the worst creative. It's in my, definitely, it's in my top five worst creative ideas of all time. It's spirit, probably number two in, uh, in He DC goes from Comics. being the spirit of vengeance to the spirit of redemption. God, I love J.M. DeMatteis, but. Abinster's <laughs> ghost becomes his Jiminy Cricket. It's so bad. It's so, I don't know what, what uh, J.M. Uh, DeMatteis was thinking. Like, I, I don't know what. I mean, I know what he's thinking. He was, it was a writing gig and he yeah, talked hired about to it. write it. It's not he was hired to write fault. it. He didn't create it, you know, so I, I can't blame him for that, but it's so bad. I hated it so much. Like, oh, I was hate buying it because it involved two of my favorite things, Hal Jordan and the Spectre. So I had to buy it. Oh my God. Every situation that, that actually called for a legacy character and they don't do it. They take Hal Jordan, the Spectre. What a stupid idea. When they, when they pick as they're getting ready to pick Hal Jordan for, they even tease that like they could have used Adrian Chase Vigilante 
and uh, they leave him behind. Like he almost could have been the specter. Thank God that didn't happen either. But it's just, uh, sorry, just it's right up there with like the the mindset of like teenage Tony Stark because Tony Stark went evil and Hal Jordan is the parallax. It was a whole slew of bad ideas from the nineties, and this just carried over into the two thousands. Either leave Hal Jordan dead. Or bring him back as Green Lantern. <laughs> the Spectre it was just idiotic. Uh, it was so bad. It was like, is this how you're really going to pass the time until you bring... We all knew Hal was going to come back at some point because they were going to need him. But is this really how you want to spend the time? Next to Identity Crisis, it's my second most hated idea DC Comics has ever done. It, it's so bad. It was so damaging. It was so damaging that like they hardly ever bring it up. Actually, I don't I, I don't even know if it even exists in, uh, you know, in the uh, New 52 post now i have to admit this is kind of the end of my knowledge or reading of anything with the specter i haven't read anything with him since I, i'm not surprised that it chased you away dc chasing away another customer they did finally give the mantle to a new character correct they did they did and actually on paper it was a very good idea they uh, create this guy crispus allen and they tease it for a while that he's going to be the new specter because in the comics, they had a new cop named Jim Corrigan. So the, the big tease is Jim Corrigan's going to come back and be the Spectre, but it's a different Jim Corrigan who's a cop. And Crispus Allen was a character in, in those Gotham City cop books yeah. at the time. And then at the end, the twist is Jim Corrigan's the dirty cop who kills Crispus Allen. And Crispus Allen is the one who dies and becomes the new host for the Spectre. Great idea on paper. In execution, meh. <laughs> And what is the current comic book status of the Spectre in 2023? Uh, now in the post-New 52 era, the Spectre just shows up. Chris, uh, technically, Jim Corrigan is the Spectre. They created an, a new 52 version of Jim Corrigan. He's a Spectre. But now you really just don't see Jim Corrigan. You just, the Spectre just shows up when the JLA or whoever, you know, needs a, you know, a, a big giant and monster. Do you think... The Spectre is one of those characters that's just too powerful. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. He's, yeah. Unfortunately, he's too powerful to be used on a regular basis. Uh, I, I think like Dr. Fate, it's just too hard to write around him. He's too easy to use as a plot device or a, or a team up. He, he's so powerful that other writers have to depower him. Like Doug Moink, they, he, Doug Moink used, he was punished by God for failing and he, he failed in Swamp Thing number 50 to stop the dark, great darkness. He failed to stop the anti-monitor in the crisis. So he was being punished and he got deep power and that's why he's barely more powerful than Casper, the friendly ghost in that series. <laughs> but that's something the writer had to resort to doing was depowering him. So they can do that. Like another writer could come along and do something pretty good with the specter if they want, but they got to depower him to do it. So, uh, Discussing Spectre and other media, I believe he showed up in an episode of Smallville, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah. And I believe a version of him showed up in the Crisis on Infinite Earth CW crossover they did, which I did not, I haven't seen. That, that, so. that whole thing's, it's terrible. The, the CW, <laughs> well, the CW is a terrible station anyway. They just make garbage product. The Flash was the best thing they could do when they're firing on all cylinders, and even that show's awful. First season's great. Yeah, yeah, well, that was about the best. I was done after season three. I was just like, I can't take any more of this. But then I came back for the Crisis five-parter because they did basically an episode of every show. Yeah. It, was, it was horrible. Oh, my God, it was so horrible. I realized I hadn't missed a thing. Spectre shows up in that. He he also shows up in uh, 
was it Constantine or something? They had a different I guy. I think he might have shown up in Constantine. Yeah, they had this guy with a beard is playing Jim Corrigan. It looks nothing like Jim Corrigan. I, the CW stuff, I, I push it out of my head. And what do you think that uh, supposedly Nicolas Cage has shown interest in uh, playing the Spectre in the DCU? <laughs> I love me some Nicolas Cage, but I do not want to see him as a Spectre. Uh, the, the clear choice was always David Caruso to play Jim Corrigan, and he's aged out now. But uh, 20 years ago, David Caruso, oh, he would have been perfect as Corrigan. Well, so as always, if you've ever listened to when Dave's on the episode, we've gotten majorly sidetracked from our topic. We even got, I could go all day. I can just run my gums. I'm sure your audience would be happy to hear me run my gums. And we can talk for, we got another hour, right? <laughs> right? We, uh, we're right? here to talk comic book animation. Animation, baby. We're going back to February 23rd, 2010. DC Showcase presents the Spectre. The Spectre. The first of the um, DC short series. For anybody who's not aware, uh, when DC did their uh, their animated universe with their direct-to-DVD films in 2010, like David said, this is the first one. They started introducing shorts. Lesser-known characters or characters that weren't popular enough to carry their own thing, getting their own little shorts. This was the first one. They would go on to do Jonah Hex, Green Arrow, Commandy. <laughs> so The Losers. Yep. The Losers, yeah, Sergeant Rock. I believe they did a House of Mystery and an Adam Strange one as well. Yeah, I, I love it because I love all the D-list DC characters, so it was the potential to see all sorts of favorites of mine. And this was the first one. It was uh, produced by uh, Warner Brothers and DC Animation. Uh, it was on the DVD Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, which is, uh, I actually, I want to do that at one point because I really enjoy that film as that's well. A pretty, that's a pretty good movie. The animated movies were, they were firing on all cylinders way better than anything DC was doing live action. Yeah, I agree. Some of them, not so much, but overwhelmingly, over, over, most of them most are good. Part, yeah. yeah, you got good product out of them. So this was the first one uh, written by Steve Niles, uh, directed by uh, Joaquin Dos Santos, who I believe has done a lot of other animation as well. I think he might be the, you can fact check me on this, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. I think he might be the director of the second Into the Spider-Verse, but I oh, really? I, I could be confused, so if I am... Out of my wheelhouse, so I did not know I that. apologize. You so, better. <laughs> so, where, you must... Have, run you out of town. <laughs> you must have been pretty excited when you found out the Spectre was going to go. Oh, this yeah. is the first and only animation starring. Spectre I, showed up in Brave and the Bold, but this is the only time he's the... The, the star. star. Yeah, and in the Brave and the Bold where he shows up as a... It's almost like a... You know, him and the Phantom Stranger are betting over Batman's yeah. <laughs> life, and they're basically acting like two heels, lording it over the guy. Kind of awkward, but I do like the episode. This is an actual Spectre story, and it's a short, you know, 12 minutes. I'll be honest with you, I only bought this DVD for the Spectre. <laughs> I bought it for the Spectre, and getting the Justice League story, that was just the, that was the bonus feature for me. So uh, we're going to go into a little bit of voice work. Uh, the Spectre and Jim Corrigan is voiced by uh, Gary Cole. You might, you, you have to have known him. He was Mike Brady in the uh, 90s Brady Bunch movies. Ooh. You know, the Boston office space. You know, the, I'm going to need you to come in on Saturday. Uh, voice work, he uh, he done a lot, actually. He's uh, Principal Shepard on Family Guy. He's our Harvey Birdman on Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Oh, did not know that. Uh, he also did the voice for James Possible on the Kim Possible cartoon as well. Oh. My kids used to love Kim Possible. So he's done a lot of things. He was in, I think, Pineapple Express. Uh, he's been in a... So he's, he's made the rounds. He's done a lot of live action and voice acting as well. Television and films. Huh. And the only other noteworthy, uh, the character Amy Brenner, 
voiced by Alyssa Milano. Uh, it was obviously Samantha on Who's the Boss. I don't think she's done anything since. She was on Charmed. I don't know. I couldn't find a lot of voice work for her, which I thought was kind of, I always find it weird when someone does. Isn't she? I figured she had by now. I always feel it's weird when people, sometimes I've done previous episodes when someone did the voice acting for like one thing and nothing else. I always found that. She was also Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter in Commando. Oh, yeah. Elijah Dushku was his daughter in True Lies, True right? True Lies. Yeah, yeah so. let's look up. I'm going to look her up and see if I can see any other uh, voice work. who's the boss fan, right? I used to love Judith I, Light. At I the thought t- Judith Light was hot. <laughs> I had, she was like my- uh, Really? Judith yeah, Light? Yeah, I, I had a thing for Judith Light when I was a kid. I always thought she looked old, even back yeah, then. Yeah, she did, but kind of in a hot way. I wanted to mow her lawn. I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to see if she ever did uh, any other uh, voice work here. Oh, wait, she did. She No, no, I'm sorry. I apologize. Okay. She did the April the Gorlock on Adventures of Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. Oh, another show my kids liked. Wait, she was on Kick but Wowski, Suburban Daredevil, she did a voice on, whatever the hell that is. That's What do you mean? That's a household name right <laughs> oh, wait, there. On Young Justice, she did the voice of Poison Ivy. Oh, okay. Okay, so she has done She's some other got some voice, voice work. Okay, I always, because I have come across people that I scour the internet and I can't find any other voice work. And I always think that's just so weird. How did they reach this person to do the voice? She has something to do to keep herself busy when she's not making a fool of herself online. (laughs) Well, that's neither here nor there. On that note, we're going to take a break. Dave and myself are going to watch Showcase Presents The Spectre. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This organization, do you know what it's called? Its name is Spectre. You came across me so many times and yet you never saw me. It was me, James, the author of all your pain. Spectre, rated PG-13, in IMAX, November 6th. In their daily pursuit of justice, our superhero characters do battle with the world's most evil villains. Where will the next evil villain come from? Maybe you will create them in Post Superheroes Creator Villain Contest. Grand prize. Nine kids win a one-week trip to Hollywood. They'll have breakfast with these superheroes. And the villain they've created. Second prize. One thousand win bicycles. Millions will enter and everyone who does gets superheroes puppy stickers. Details on specially marked boxes of Alphabet, Super Sugar Crisp, Honeycomb, and Pebble Cereals. You can draw and paint your villain in the picture provided. Three different pictures. Superman! Wonder Woman! Batman and Robin! Three grand prizes per picture. The most original villains win. Holy Hollywood! Post Superheroes Creator Villain Contest. Details on specially marked boxes of Alphabet, Super Sugar Crisp, Honeycomb, and Pebble Cereals. Who'll have the last word on who's the boss? Excuse me for being a professional. Well, excuse me for being responsible. You're excused. Thank you. You're welcome. How about the last laugh? Ah, but Dad, one man's loud music is another man's. Migraine. Any last wishes? I'm innocent, I tell ya. You ain't gonna pin this rap on me. And last but not least... A mother always knows when her child isn't telling everything. Watch Who's the Boss weeknights at 6 and 6.30 on Universal 9. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... 
And we are back. And hopefully you just also watched DC. Hopefully you just watched DC Showcase presents the Spectre. Short and sweet, I'll say. A ghoulishly good time. We'll get into the the reviews later on. We open with the credits where it's in Hollywood with a little bit of a voiceover from yeah. Jim Corrigan. Little little departure. Oh, before we even get into that, I want to I want to espouse the virtues of physical media. If you care about something, buy it on Blu-ray, own it, because if you think it's going to be on streaming, it isn't always going to be there for you, folks. They can take this stuff away from you anytime they want. Hold on to your box sets and keep your physical media. He does make an excellent point, because I I was scouring. I finally had to get Dave to lend me the DVD to to watch this, because I couldn't find it on any streaming service. And oddly enough, I owned it. But we open with a uh, Hollywood, which is a, is a change of setting for Jim yeah, Corey. a little bit of a departure. It's not the urban New York City kind of uh, setting that you expect to find the Spectre in. You got a Hollywood tale. And we go to uh, Malibu, where movie producer of, uh, I think it was... G- movie mogul. Mogul, thing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> movie producer. And right off the bat, you can tell there's like a grindhouse you know, feel to this. That's going on. It's and he, really cool. uh, he's going to go for a swim, but you see us, the audience, dynamite attached to his diving board. Underneath the diving board. You know, like how Alfred Hitchcock would be proud. <laughs> Blows him up. He's all dead. And that's when we go, we switch to Jim Corrigan driving, doing a voiceover about Hollywood as a, there's a lot of dark shadows with secrets covering everything up. It's going to take Jim Corrigan to get to the seedy underbelly of this even glitzy town. Introduces himself. So, the animation so far I think is very good. Jim Corrigan, character design is perfect. Dead on. Looks like on. right out of the comic book. Yeah, it looks like Jim Apero d- drew him with the, the red hair with the the white streak in his bangs, slick back, and the green suit. I, I, I don't I'm not opposed to the change in scenery. Actually, works for the story. I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't bother me that they made him instead of a New York cop, a Los Angeles cop. Yeah, that's fine. I, you know, for the tale, you know, that's fine with me. Uh, he gets yelled at by the police when he shows up because he wasn't assigned to this case. I always find it a little confusing that Jim Corgan seems to work with the police, even though he died in the 40s. The way they explain it periodically is that it's part of his power. He can mask the fact that he's long dead. Like, nobody looks at his employee records. Ah, he's, okay. He's kinda been like, around, uh, but no, he just, he's been around, but no one realizes how old he should be. Kind of like that Matthew McConaughey movie there. What was the name of that thing with Bill Paxton? Um, Fracture? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know if I saw that. Yeah, where Matthew McConaughey, uh, he's... Telling the FBI agent how his dad is a was a killer that was on a mission from God, and the whole twist is uh, Matthew oh, McConaughey is actually the the evil son of the two, and you can't God protects them where he doesn't I, show up on the camera. What I is think the name? I did see that. Yeah, yeah. It's got an F. It's got Fr- a farmhouse. Or fragility. Fragility. That might be it. <laughs> yeah. That's well, the- Corrigan has you know he has this ability to just kind of cloud men's minds like the you know the shadow and the, no one thinks to look like the, human resources isn't looking into why this guy's still working after 80 years you know why is he still on the beat as a detective so anyway <laughs> they do acknowledge frailty, the frailty. frailty there you go yes, yes. <laughs> all right he said the cop don't worry i'm not here to take the credit i just got a call from an old friend and that's when Amy Brenner, the daughter of the Hollywood mogul, show, gives him a hug. Apparently, Her they femme fatale. They used to be an story. item. Very <laughs> upset. <laughs> they used to be an item. She used to be an item with a ghost. Yeah, which is also a little strange, but all right. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of powers, I guess. 
Ghosts still have needs. He says he's going to go to it. He goes to the butler who's been working for him for 20 years. Did the butler do it? Did the butler do it? Check the security footage and you see two masked men on the security footage and planted the dynamite on there. So he's looking for two culprits. Yeah, they actually got, they actually can see the people planting the bomb. So. Um, the butler also says that uh, he had pissed off a lot of people because he didn't use his frequent collaborators on his latest film. Never trust those unions. Which makes you think that, man, <laughs> these some of these Hollywood careers are really hinging on every movie if this guy doesn't use you once. <laughs> yeah, he's like, well, he could have ended up with a horse head in his bed instead he gets blown up off his diving board. So we switch to the Movie Monsters FX Studios. Yes, yes. If there was ever a more painfully generic name to explain what this is, I can't think I've, of it. They could have just called it the Acme Studios. <laughs> Where you have this guy, he's, you know, he, You've got all these classic monster masks and props and whatnot, and the guy's working on it. You know, the classic Tom Savini type, you know, with the practical effects, you know, before the old CGI took over everything. It's like a Rob Bottin type. And, you know, there's uh, some noises in the background scaring him, a ventriloquist dummy looking straight out of goosebumps, kind of starts shaking and moving, and he's kind of freaking out. And then his creations are coming to life to haunt him. Brenner is in a chair talking to him, and he's like, you can't be. We killed you. <laughs> he immediately implicates himself. <laughs> and then he turns into our first shot of the Spectre, who also character design. Spot on. Spot on. Just perfect. Spot on. Just a perfect, somewhat superhero, but eerie and as well. Eerie, ethereal. But not like. Ethereal. You wouldn't be scared just on his appearance alone, which I think works well. You know, it's his presence scares you. But, you know, if you just looked at the Spectre, he's not like uh yeah, he's not like the, the the ghost from the grudge or something that you're you're scared just no, looking at. No, no, it's, it's the way he carries himself and the the actual design isn't scary but the way you can draw him with the cape flowing and the the way the cloak covers the face and the way he, you can create a sense of dread or suspense over what he's about to do to this guy cuz you're like, "Oh man, this guy's screwed. Whatever he did wrong, he's got it coming." You get a great, you know, one of the classic I am him moments where he says, "I am vengeance. I am the Spectre." I think he just waits all day to say that. By the way, Gary Cole, great job, because he does the voice of Spectre and Jim Corrigan, and there's definitely distinct differences in the voice. Yeah, and, and the voice is exactly what I picture in my head the Spectre sounding like. He says, uh, uh, in the land beyond the living, all things are possible, and, and all the monsters come to life. This is a great kind of who's who moment of classic monsters or stuff that is obviously inspired by uh classic monsters. Nice classic monsters. You get the exorcist. You get Nosferatu. <laughs> Nosferatu. Yeah, a, not There's Jason, like a, but a Jason Voorhees like type. Scarecrow type Jason type thing coming after him. And Pretty great scene where he chases him where finally he backs into a giant mannequin of a giant, giant evil ape. gorilla. <laughs> and you get the classic faraway shot where he's like, no, no. <laughs> That's like so EC horror, you know? That's just... Just right out of the adventure comics storylines. And I love, we had, we had discussed this earlier, how the Spectre could just kill him like instantly if he wanted to, but he always has to. He's got a toy with him. He man. really toys with him and like terrifies him before yeah, killing he, him. He wants them to, he wants them to have, enjoy some uh, terror before they die. We go to the police station where the chief of police, the classic angry police chief is yelling <laughs> at John Polito there who's always playing cops. <laughs> this isn't your case. I don't care if you had a thing with the with the, the guy, the victim's daughter. 
great animation on his face there too. <laughs> and Corgan, it looked like he come out. He looked like he was uh, right out of the Boondocks or something. Gorgon's got the toothpick, you know, really not even uh, paying him no mind. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'll be right on that, Chief, you know, because he knows he just got done killing this guy. And he tells him to investigate the suspect who was murdered. And he says, I'll get on that. Tell Bryce to work a little faster, <laughs> which just really gets the Chief hot of the collar. We get a parting shot of him gritting his teeth. He's like, and, and Corrigan gives zero Fs <laughs> as he w- struts out of his office. Uh, so then we go to uh, the stuntman's house. Uh, you would uh, notice stuntman Mike, no, not st- <laughs> or stuntman Bob. But that, <laughs> that's true. You would notice his name on the on the, the side of his truck, but Pete, I Peter, Peter, yes, yeah, Peter stunts McCoy, yes, <laughs> Peter stunts McCoy. He's getting in his like Trans Am. He's obviously leaving town. He's got his uh, flowing blonde hair. He just looks like he's right out of the seventies. You see that he's his passing a sign car. that says Mexico is coming. You know, so you know he's trying to leave the he's country. Get, he's getting out of town. Getting All out sudden, with his money with him. There's the specter in the middle of the road that he swerves to try to avoid, but just goes right through him. Do you think if he's a stuntman, do you think his nice muscle car might come into play in his demise? <laughs> no. The specter does love some good old irony. <laughs> he tries to drive away. The specter's in the back seat. How terrifying would that be, by the way? Have you ever, like, I've driven at night and I've been driving and had like a shadow cross the road behind me and, and like in the mirror, like I'm positive somebody sat up behind me. You gotta like freak, that'll freak you right out. He says, you'll never escape your fate. And he doesn't. He makes a giant ramp in the road. <laughs> makes the car literally do a jump, but it just crash. You know, the irony is a stunt, man. You know, this is a stunt, but this one goes horribly wrong. He survives, but he, he's, he's he worse. He flung from the car. <laughs> yeah, he's worse for wear. You think he's done, but no, no, he's not done with him yet. And then the car, his briefcase full of money opens and money's blowing out you know he's gotten gains the car goes on top of it it does a christine job from the movie where it repairs itself and then chases him he thinks he's escaped because he's on top of a hill but it also does a big leap and where <laughs> right on top stuntman dead then we go to amy who's uh dolling herself up a little bit yeah, and she's obviously grieving. Yeah, putting lipstick on, getting all dolled up, and Jim shows up in the mirror, which gives her a a, uh, a, scare. a scare. She hugs and kisses him, and uh, says, "How uh, I'm starting to suspect this Amy chick here <laughs> isn't all she appears." We to always be. had something. We should run away together now that I'm rich. So I guess she didn't have any money until her dad died. So mm, maybe he ghosted her. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her that you know. The money can be traced back to her account that she's behind this. Uh, she says that they could run away together, but he's not having it. He even says, which I loved, you're not going anywhere, baby. <laughs> he just needed to call her a broad. That would have been even better. Yeah. A dame. So she pulls out a gun, tries to kill him. All the bullets go through him because, you know, he's a specter. She even pulls the old George Reeves Superman and throws <laughs> the empty gun at him. <laughs> Passes right through him. Clearly, he's not human at this point. <laughs> and then he says, uh, can't kill a dead man. Guilty must be punished for their crimes. And then the money all surrounds her in a giant whirlwind. whirlwind with paper cuts. Paper cuts. <laughs> and it, as the, the whirlwind's spinning around her, the, paper, the, the dollar bills get redder and redder right. with blood. And you <laughs> just see a awesome. cyclone with her screaming inside. She crashes and uh, she dies as well. So we get really three... Uh, 
three classic three classic specter uh, ironic deaths that you really gotta love yeah in a in, in a 12 minute span and the police arrive and jim corgan runs walks right through them like he's not they don't even, even see him he turns intangible and invisible they pass right through him he gets into his car even the car drives right through the closed gates. <laughs> yeah. so he says, how it, uh, there's sometimes no satisfaction in his job. Hollywood brings out the worst in people. I think Corrigan was pretty satisfied there. Yeah. I think he enjoyed himself. <laughs> he takes a perverse pleasure in doing this job. We get him driving off at the sun rising where he's got a great going out bit where he says, when that happens, I'm here to avenge. That's my secret. I am the Spectre. Spectre. Which not only is a great way to end it, but that's like a pilot for a TV show right there. It really is. Like, it makes you want more. You're like, oh, I want another Spectre story out of this. That's how they wrapped up. DC Showcase presents The Spectre. I said it before, I'll say it again. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. I and Yeah, that, it really was. 12 minutes and you get a complete story of beginning, and middle, and an end. They don't really have a time to flesh out red herrings. No, not a lot of character development other than Jim himself. No, it gets right to the point, but. Yeah, that's kind of what they did with those old EC horror stories. In but the I mean, 50s. this story is like straight out of the '70s adventure comics run. Yeah. I mean, it, it and it's, it's got a, like a grindhouse feel. So they got scratches in the screen. Yep. They got a, a muted color scheme where they dull down the colors, and then with the scratches, it makes you feel like you're watching a movie on the big screen in the '70s. Yeah, really uh, solid stuff. Is uh, even the cars, everything. It could have taken place in the '70s. I didn't see yeah. any cell phones or anything in this story, right? No, I didn't see any either. No, so. I don't, uh, yeah, yeah, nobody tried to use one when they were in danger. So and, I, and the I, and the music, the musical score had that dun dun, yeah, you know, almost that like Shaft kind of yeah, 70s, it was like a seventies cop show, almost. yeah, Starsky and Hutch kind of vibe going. So on I mean, I'd basically describe it as someone mixed old seventies cop show with the actual Spectre comic book. Like this story could have, this could have been an adaptation if you didn't know any better and think this was from that run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So on that note, we're going over to our ranking system. We're going over to the Spectrometer. Anyone new to the show, Spectrometer is where we rank what we saw. Four Spectros being perfection, zero Spectros being absolute garbage. Dave, you picked this, so hopefully meet your expectations. How many Spectros are you going to give DC Showcase the Spectre? Well, in my humble opinion, because that's all I have is my humble, humble opinion, I found this to be very entertaining. I enjoyed the story. that It's the Spectre as the Spectre is supposed to be. He performs his function. The animation is really good. Uh, the music is really good. It's you get right to the point. If I had to criticize anything it would be that the short runtime constricts the story ability to, to flesh anything out. You can't flesh out any characters or red herrings or have any real big villains. There's no, you know, there's no big cosmic villain or, you know, Wotan or anything like that for him to show up to, to face off. But overall, I really enjoyed this for what it was. I would give this on the spectrometer. I would give it three and a half spectros. All right. I'm going to go one better. I'm going four. I think this Ooh, thing. Ooh, really? I think this is flawless. The art style is great. The character designs are great. The, it's not like some of the other animation where it doesn't feel like is out of a comic as much. It, this definitely feels inspired and by the comic. I love Gary Cole's voice work, the music, the effects. It's perfect. Uh, I'm not going to try to talk you out of a perfect score. If it was like a longer ongoing show, then I think some of the problems might arise, but they, uh, no wasted motion, as they say, no fuss, no muss. They made it happen. 
I, it, it's a perfect setup or a, a pilot great, for future installments I if agree. they've done some. It's perfect. I loved it. I definitely would highly recommend it. It was a great way to kick off doing DC showcases. I'd say it's yeah. been better than some of the... I did a Green Arrow episode on the Green Arrow showcase, which wasn't bad, but this was definitely superior to that. Much better than that. Yeah. I'd agree. I, I really enjoyed it. I Yeah, my only taking off half a point for me is more thinking about what could have been that I didn't see in it, not criticizing what I did see on film. It was very well executed. Well, what did you think out there? Did you like it? You couldn't have liked it better than we did, but you might have liked it less. If you did, I'd like to hear from you and uh, let us know. If you don't agree with us, that's okay. We're just two guys talking comic books, talking animation. In the grand scheme of life, we all just have our opinions. But tell me what you think. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Spectro. And you can find me at Facebook, Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. If you're really desperate, you can find me at Hive, at Matt Spectro, all lowercase letters. But, but are you really that desperate? <laughs> Odds are you aren't. And tell us what you think. Dave, thanks for uh, coming for our countdown to the two-year anniversary, being the number third most popular guest. The pleasure's all yours. And as you know, I am a rating superstar, so I'm glad to be here and help you out. I would. Uh, I have to also give you credit because technically my number five guest was representing of an episode that had a whole uh ensemble ensemble and you were on that ensemble so you know superstar so technically that counts for two episodes in our top five hell yeah well here i am carrying his sorry carcass across the finish line yet again but that's all right next episode next year will you be the number one all-time favorite guest i i kind of think i have to be really i mean am i your number one most collaborated guests i think you've been on the most i've got to be in the running you're definitely in the running um brian malonis who does all the he-man episodes Oh, yeah. Might have more than you and Jamie J. Mikowski. He's the Batman guy. <laughs> the right? Batman guy might have been on more, but I think you're definitely, if not, you're close to the number one of all time. Yeah. Uh, next year. Next year, I'll be number one. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining us. We're going to continue the countdown to my two-year anniversary episode. Ooh. And just uh, give you a heads up, we're going to be giving away a prize on that episode. I'll be having more details on my social media soon. So go check that out and follow me and like me while you're there. Also, I appreciate if you could uh, subscribe to my podcast, share it, and give me a five-star review. I really appreciate that as well. Dave, any parting thoughts for our audience? I just hope your um, your gift you're giving away isn't a calendar with your face 12 months of the year. <laughs> that would be amazing. That would, that would be genius, wouldn't it? And it just a picture of you with, with like you know whatever topic of each It'd episode. It would be like that, that uh, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends episode where J.J. had a a prize to the capture Spider-Man and it was an autographed picture, picture of, of JJ of me. <laughs> that would be genius. And a yearly subscription to the <laughs> Daily Bugle. You ought to look into that. That that might actually be pretty funny. <laughs> We're gonna wrap it up for this week. Thanks a lot for joining us, and we'll see you again next week for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs>